Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. future paleontologists. I hope everybody's doing well. I'm Dinosaur George and welcome to the podcast. If you like dinosaurs and prehistoric life, this is the place to be. This show is designed for young people or really anybody. It's not young people exclusive. But what I do when I try to describe things is I make it more understandable. So uh, younger people seem to really enjoy the podcast, and I, I certainly enjoy doing it. So I hope everybody's having a good time um, and taking care of yourselves and the people around you and living your life to the fullest. This is podcast number 88, and this we are now at 870,441 downloads. Eagerly awaiting till we hit the 1 million mark. That would be so incredible. When I started this podcast, I had no idea if two people were going to listen or if 2,000 were going to listen. And so far, it's almost a million. We're heard in 177 countries and in 1,472 cities around the world. So, welcome you all, whatever country you live in, whatever language you speak. I hope that you know how much I appreciate you. Got a lot of shout outs because it is now September. We're in a new month. Today is September the 2nd. Um, and it uh, start of a new month. That's crazy. So one of the main benefits or one of the good benefits of being a T-Rex member of the Patreon Club is that on your birthday or the month of your birthday, you get a shout out. And so I am now going to give some shout outs to all of our T-Rex members who have a birthday in the month of September. Now, let me tell you this because it's early. If you join now and your birthday happens to be in September, well, then all you have to do is you just let us know and we will give you your shout out next month, even though it's late. And I apologize uh, sometimes if I'm doing a podcast, sometimes I'm able to, to do the shout out in the month, but just so that you know that if you beg your parents to join, to join and they do, and your birthday happened to be in September and you wanted a shout out, remember, it's going to take a little while before we get to you, but I will, I promise you. Cause at the end of these shout outs, I've got a bunch of people who I missed last month for that reason. So, uh, let's get started. Uh, this is for Velasa Robert. His little brother, Mitchell, who goes by the name Cha-Cha-Cha Mitchell. Oh, no, that's horrifying. He is turning five on September 13th. Cool. And Dominus Rexon is turning six on September 14th. Carcarta Dontosaurus, what a great name. Carcarta Dontosaurus will be turning 10 on September 13th. Ethan, my little buddy, Ethan. Who, who I nicknamed Fire Tablet. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you why I did that. <laughs> During one of our our lessons, we we do 
live Zoom lessons for Patreon Club members. And one time Ethan was on there and he he forgot to change the name and it, all it said was Fire Tablet. Well, I know Ethan. He doesn't have to tell me his name. But I started laughing. I decided I'm going to call that kid Fire Tablet. So happy birthday to you, Fire Tablet. Okay, Carcara Danto Wiley is turning six on September the 14th. That's very cool. And by the way, this is his second year of being a member of the Patreon Club. Same with a lot of these guys. I know a lot of you have been on there. Charlotte Osaurus is turning nine on September the 10th. All of these are coming up pretty quick. Jenny Raptor is turning six on September 20th. And then my buddy, Zach Stramat. Zach, um, he go for all of you that are Patreon Club members, you always see somebody listed as uh, Steel City Tiger. Um, Zach, that's that's the name he goes by. Uh, he has he's been a, an assistant. He's been a friend for the very long time. Zach is having a birthday on the 11th and he'll be turning 32. Happy early birthday to you, Zach. I hope you hear this podcast and, and I hope you know how much I enjoy having you as a friend, how much I, I love you and your family and uh, how glad I am to have you as one of the assistants to help uh, with the uh, with the lessons. I appreciate you so much. Jesse Kodalis, birthday is September 19th, and he will be turning 27. Oh, wait, Jessica Kodalis. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is Jessica Kodalis Jessica Kodalis? Or is it Jess Kodalis, short for Jesse? Ooh. All right, you got to write me and tell me if it's Jess, Jesse, or Jessica. Or none. But whatever the case, happy birthday to you. Turned 27 on September 19th. Wow. You and Zach are almost as old as me. I think I'm like 39 or something. (laughs) Brustonia is turning eight. Or turned eight. Wait, 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 wait. Today. Brustonia turned eight today. Happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday to you. Arthosaurus Rex is turning seven on September 9th. Rory Raptor turned seven on September 12th. Liam Rex is turning seven on September 8th. And Ella Ceratops is four on September 14th. Happy birthday, you guys. Hugo is turning 10 on September 24th. Joe Lassa Raptor, like that, is turning eight or turned eight yesterday, September the 1st. Happy birthday. Owenosaurus Rex turns seven on September 23rd. Indominus Fisher, Fisher turns six on September 18th. Nicholas Rex turns seven on September 13th. Violetosaurus turns seven on September 23rd. And Alexosaurus Rex turns nine on September 12th. Now, to all of you, happy birthday to you. And happy birthday to everyone listening. You don't have to be a a T-Rex club member for me to wish you a happy birthday. I can't, I just don't know all your names, but happy birthday to you if you are. Now, remember I said that if you join the club uh, after I've done the shout outs, well, obviously we can't go back and add them to a previous podcast, but I do try to catch up to those. So here is some people whom I missed in the past who let us know. So Luca Luke Crocanthosaurus turned 10 on August the 7th. Coopersaurus turned 6 on August the 6th. Cutoraptor 
turned nine on August 28th. Ella Hippus turned eight on August 8th. Alice in Dinoland. Alice in Dinoland. What a, that's the that's the absolute best. That's the absolute best name, Alice in Dinoland. That's so cool. Alice in Dinoland turned 39 on the 4th of August. But happy birthday to you, Alice. I, I keep up with some of your travels uh, on Facebook. Kaylee Raptor turned 7 on April 25th. I missed that one a long time ago. Gus Raptor turned 7 on August the 2nd. So for all of you, who, if I missed your birthdays in the past, I am so very sorry. I know sometimes, basically, if you are a T-Rex member, let me explain what happens. During the month, each month, a request goes out through your Patreon page. You, you'll, get the, you'll get the message. And it asks, if you're having a birthday in this month, please list the information there. That's how you send us a birthday shout out. If you message it to us, well, we get so many messages that it's super hard for us to read them all. And by the time we read them, we didn't get them on that page. See, if you go to that page where it tells you to list your birthday, that way we read them because we go to that page and I go down the list and I read them all. So uh, if you are having a birthday this month and you do join and I don't get you, or if I've accidentally missed you in the past, please know I will do everything I can because I know these shout outs are very, very important. All right. Having said that, if any of you would be interested in becoming a Patreon Club member, this is for you. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. All right, we do a feature creature every single episode. Well, not everyone. Once in a while, I just do a Who Would Win episode. I think I might do that one of these days. But anyway, uh, our feature creature. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Well, they might call me Dinosaur George, but that doesn't mean I only know about dinosaurs. I study all prehistoric creatures, so the feature creature we chose this time is not a dinosaur. It is a pterosaur. Its name is Pteranodon. It starts with the letter P, but you do not pronounce that letter in this particular name. So it's not Pteranodon, it's Pteranodon, almost as if it only starts with the letter T. Pteranodon is a pterosaur. Okay. I've said this in, in, I know I've said this a lot in lessons, the, the Zoom lessons I do for our Patreon club members, but let me say this, because it, it, it can be a little confusing. When you see these flying reptiles, some people call them pterodactyls, some people call them pterosaurs, some people call them flying dinosaurs. They are not dinosaurs. Yes, these animals lived at the time of dinosaurs, 
And I know there's a lot of books that tell you they are dinosaurs, but those books are incorrect. Pterosaurs are flying reptiles. They are more closely related to crocodiles than they are to dinosaurs. They fit into the family of prehistoric reptiles, but that's it. They're not dinosaurs. Now, there are flying dinosaurs. Flying dinosaurs are birds because birds are classified as avian dinosaurs. But if you ever see a picture of a pterosaur, now that's a better name to call them than pterodactyl. Pterosaur is a more appropriate name. When you see a pterosaur, it's almost always pictured flying above dinosaurs. So I can understand how people can get confused and they go, well, they're on the same picture together. They must be the same thing. But that's not true. Think about this, you guys. In Africa today, when you see a picture of a lion, you could also see a picture of a zebra. And you could see a picture of a lizard, and you could see a picture of a bird. But that doesn't mean that they're all related to each other, just because they lived at the same time, right? You know that. Yes, humans and snakes live together, but we're not related to snakes. So, pterosaurs and, and terrestrial dinosaurs live together, but they're not the same thing. The reason why I say pterosaur is better than pterodactyl. It's it's confusing. The word pterodactyl suggests that it's a particular animal. There is no animal named pterodactyl. That's a nickname. There is a flying reptile named pterodactylus, but that's not the same as pterodactyl. But the word pterosaur really kind of is a better word because it's sort of, it sort of groups all of the flying reptiles during the Mesozoic together. Because there's all different kinds of pterosaurs. There were little ones that had teeth and long tails, like Rampharynchus. And then there were giants like Quetzalcoatlus. Well, you wouldn't call either one of them pterodactyl. So pterosaur is a better word. There's nothing wrong with calling them pterodactyls. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just explaining that it's better, it's more scientifically accurate to call them pterosaurs, okay? Try to practice that. You, after a while, you'll find that it will become habit and it will be better. But if you like the word pterodactyl and you use the word pterodactyl, we all know what you're talking about. You don't have to change it because I said... Just because I say something doesn't mean I'm right. I mean, I've never been wrong in my life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I'm kidding you. I'm wrong all the time. It's okay. You want to know the best part about science, you guys? You can make a mistake and you can go back and correct it. Scientists are constantly trying to correct mistakes they made from the past. So, it's just a mistake to call them pterodactyl. Doesn't mean you did something wrong, but try to call them pterosaurs. Now, here's your lesson, or here's your, here's your challenge. When this podcast is done, go open a book, if you have a dinosaur book, see if you can find a picture of a pterosaur, cover the name and ask your dad or mom, hey, what kind of animal is this? And they'll probably say it's a pterodactyl. 
And then you can say, really? Really? That's what you're going with? Well, I'm so sorry, but you are wrong. (laughs) I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. Never speak rude to your parents. You can do it jokingly, but don't speak rude to your parents. But when you're having fun, they'll know what you mean. Okay. Okay. So we're going to talk about pteranodon, which is a member of the pterosaur family. All pterosaurs fit into the family of pterosaurs, but there isn't an animal named pterosaur. That's a name that describes the family. And Pteranodon is one of the most recognized members of the pterosaur family. Excuse me. I am just getting over COVID. Excuse me. And so my voice is still a little bit rough. I have to stop and take a drink of water every now and then. By the way, don't worry. I feel perfectly fine. I was just sick for a couple of days, but I feel good. Okay. So if you see a picture of a pterosaur, it's almost always pteranodon. Most books, because of that cool, long, pointy thing sticking out the back of its head and the long, pointy beaks, it's the most recognized or what is known as iconic. It's the most recognized pterosaur. Pteranodon's name means wing toothless. That's what its name means. The word pteranodon is a Latin word that in English means wing toothless. Toothless. Why? Well, it's got wings and doesn't have any teeth. It was discovered and named in 1871. Now, all animals have a first and last name. All of them do. There's only one dinosaur that everyone calls by its first and last name. Tyrannosaurus rex. Other than that, nobody calls any of them by their first and last name. Now, there can be more than one animal with the same first name, but it has different last name because it's still in that family, but there's a little something different that means it gets a different last name. It's still pteranodon. It looks like pteranodon, but there are some differences. Sometimes it could be the crest on their head. Sometimes it can be a a placement of a vertebra. The, the one that was named, the first one ever found, is called Pteranodon longiceps. Pteranodon longiceps. That's known as the type species. That's the first one found that was given a name. But since then, they found one that they named Pteranodon sternbergi, Pteranodon occidentalia, Pteranodon geosternbergia and Pteranodon longicepia or longicepia, I guess, longicepia. Now, they all look very similar. You you can't tell the difference, but um, there are differences. There's enough differences. Okay, there's enough that they said, hey, this is Pteranodon, but this is a little bit different on it. So let's give it a different last name. Probably everyone you've ever seen in a book or on movies is probably always Pteranodon longiceps, but sometimes it could be Pteranodon sternbergi. These animals' diet is aquatic life. They lived along the ocean shores. Fish scales have been found inside the stomach cavity, 
And there is one specimen of pteranodon that was actually found with a fossilized fish in its mouth. It died with the fish in its mouth. So that's pretty good evidence that these guys are eating aquatic animals. It's pretty good evidence. Now, they don't have teeth. So the question becomes, well, how, how do they eat? How do they catch their food? How do they feed? There's a couple of different theories. Some scientists believe that pteranodons would sit in the water, sort of like a modern crane or um, heron, where they stand there with their head up looking for fish. And if a fish swims by, they use that long pointy bill to spear them. And then they eat. That's, a, that's certainly a plus possibility. Some scientists believe they could float on water like a seagull or a pelican. So they may have dove headfirst into the water, fold their wings back, and shoot missile in the water and spear something with their mouth. That's a possibility. There's a number of different ways these animals could feed. There's no doubt that they're very successful. So they're good at whatever they do. And you don't have to, you know, look at a look at a heron or an egret or a crane or a stork. They don't have teeth. They do a perfectly good job of catching their food. Now, these animals are considered quadrupeds. Do any of you know what quadruped means? I bet some of you do. I bet those of you that listen to my podcast a lot, I bet you know. Quadruped means an animal that walks on four legs. Pteranodon and probably all members of the pterosaur family walk on four legs, on their back legs and their front legs. Now they have wings, but they can fold those wings back over their back. So they walk with their arms and legs out to the side of their body and they kind of scurry across the ground. So they are quadrupeds. I do not believe they could stand on their hind legs. I don't think they, I don't think that's possible the way their body's shaped. Now, when they're flying, obviously they're not walking, but when they walk, they're quadrupeds. Pterosaurs live from in the late Cretaceous, about 89 to 84 and a half million years ago. I mean, pteranodon. Pterosaurs lived much earlier than that and all the way up to the end. But pteranodon lived in the late Cretaceous, 89 to 84 and a half million years ago. Their remains have been found in Kansas, Nebraska, Wyoming, South Dakota, Alabama, Texas, and possibly Delaware. It is the most common and well-known pterosaur known to science. Now, these guys are big. These things are big. Their wingspan is six meters. That's 20 feet. If you're really young and you don't, you, you don't understand size yet, ask mom or dad or uncle or auntie or whoever you're with if they can measure 20 feet for you. So you can see just how wide that is. These guys are big. Now, I told you that the most common pterosaurs, there have been over 1,200 specimens found so far, and that includes both male and female. And that's rare in the fossil record, you guys. That's rare. 1,200 specimens of pteranodon. You want to know how many T-Rex skeletons have been found? How many specimens of T-Rex? I think it's something like 22. But 1,200 pteranodons. There's a reason for that. There's two reasons for that. Reason number one, there were a lot of them. Reason number two, to become a fossil, it's always good if you die near water. 
where chances are your body can be buried and it doesn't decompose out in the sun. If you are a pteranodon and you're living along the shore of the ocean, when you die, there's a very good chance you will be buried. Now, they've all been found along ancient shorelines. During the late Cretaceous, the ocean split North America in half. And the ocean that went up through the center part is called the Western Interior Seaway. And there were two big land masses exposed, actually three, but two main ones. There was one on the west side called Laramidia, and there was the one on the eastern side called Appalachia. Pterosaurs or pteranodons have been found on both sides. That means they were crossing that ocean to get to the other side. These things could travel great distances. I bet you they, they were like giant kites. They didn't flap their wings the whole way because that's, that's hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of miles apart, those two land masses with that ocean. So either they flew high and glided or most scientists now believe they could take off from the water. They could land on the water and fly away. They could lift off the way a seagull or a pelican does. So maybe they didn't have to do it in one flight. They could rest. So these things have been found on both sides. Now, obviously, the two things that are the most interesting about Pteranodon are obviously its, uh, its skull. Its skull is absolutely, it has a crest. It is referred to as a cranial crest, a cranial crest. That's that long pointy thing that uh, points backwards that's found on top of its head. So that's called a cranial crest, and it's that long pointy thing. Now, there's different shapes, and based on the age of the animal, there's different shapes. So if you're a young pteranodon, you may have a much smaller crest. If you're a large adult pteranodon, then yours might be bigger or brightly colored or maybe twist and turn instead of being straight. It appears that the females don't have them. And that brings us to, well, then what were they for? Well, if only one animal in a family, either it's a male or a female, if only one of them has a feature, then it's probably not necessary for life. Let me explain that. If male pteranodons have a big crest and the females don't, well, the females don't die because they don't have it. Doesn't matter to them. They don't need it. So then the question is, well, then what is it for? Well, probably as a way to attract a mate, as a way to identify species. There's all kinds of things. Maybe these animals lived in family groups where there was a leader. We don't know. Those things we can't say for certain. So like in the family of birds, birds have brightly colored beaks that they use to draw attention to themselves, to attract a mate. Um, reptiles have bright colors, often used to scare other animals away, not to attract, but to scare animals away. There's all kinds of reasons why this, why these animals had them. But whatever the case is, they're certainly interesting. So if you have different books and they call the animal pteranodon, but the crests are different, understand that you could be looking at a different subspecies. 
you're looking at a different member of that family. They're both named Pteranodon, but they have a different last name. The other thing, of course, are those wings. Those wings are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The, um, uh, the wings themselves were like a giant kite. They were a giant kite. Um, and they're made of skin. They were made of skin. Now, if they tore it, my guess is it would heal back again. I would suppose it would. I mean, if you get a scratch on your, your hand, you don't fall over dead and your hand heals and it's skin. If a bat gets a tear, I believe it, it heals. And plus, there was little tiny, um, they were little tiny um, microfibers, I think, that were probably through the, through, the, um, through the skin itself. I don't think they were big. I don't think they were thick. But I think that they had things that probably helped the wing add a little stability to it. Maybe it didn't prevent it from tearing, but I think it added stability. Whatever the case is, whatever the case is, I think that their wings were capable of healing. Because if they're not, if one tear could cause the whole wing to rip, I don't think these would be very successful animals. I don't think they would have been around for all those millions of years because that would be a terrible design. So in my opinion, there had to be able to withstand some sort of tearing or otherwise they would drop out of the sky and die. And I just don't believe that happens. Okay, the other thing is, what is the wing made of? It's not the arm. It's its finger. It's the finger. It's called the, the fourth phalang, phalanx. It is the fourth finger on the hand. So if you're looking at your hand, there's the thumb, the pointer finger, the middle finger, and then the fourth finger. Look at your look at your right hand, and on the inside is your thumb. Next is your pointer finger. Next is the middle finger. It's the third. It's the the one sometimes called the ring finger. If uh, you know somebody who's married, look at their left hand and see if they have a ring on one of their fingers. And if they do, that's usually that's usually a wedding ring or wedding band or engagement band. And that's their ring finger. That's the actual wing part. They have long arms, but it's their extended fourth pinky of the fourth finger that goes way out and makes the wing. So they're incredible creatures. Pterosaurs are remarkable. All the different kind of skulls and all the different sort of heads and all that weird stuff. Um if you become a T-Rex or Raptor Club member of the Patreon Club, when you go to the page to see all the things we post, there one of the ones that's at the top is a page where I list all of the back lessons I taught. You can go watch videos of all of those lessons. And I've done two of them on pterosaurs, one recently and one a long time ago. Go to either one of those and you will be stunned at some of the pictures of the different kinds of pterosaurs. You'll be amazed. And of course, one of the most amazing, in my opinion, is Pteranodon. I think Pteranodon is amazing. Okay, so I hope you all enjoyed learning about Pteranodon. I hope that you, uh, I hope that you find it as exciting as I do. Now... Let me take a drink of water because I told you my voice is getting kind of rough.
Now, I have been telling you about uh, becoming a T-Rex or a Raptor Club member or a Triceratops member. But there's another way you can be part of our group. And it doesn't cost you anything at all. And that is to follow us on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. When you, if, you, if your family will sign up, if they'll, and it doesn't cost anything, we don't require any information from you. Um, if they do, if they just go search Dinosaur George, they'll see a couple of, they'll see a couple of different pages. One is called Dinosaur George and one is called the Dinosaur George Kids. Dinosaur George Kids is what you want to is what you want to join. That's the one you want to join. Okay. So let me jump over there. Cause this is what's so much fun about this is anybody can post anything people. Well, not anybody. You have to be part of the group and we have to approve what's posted. That way we protect you from things that are not okay. Uh, uh, parents, grandparents, guardians, I work incredibly hard. And so does our team. They all work very, very hard to make sure that nothing gets posted that is unacceptable. Miss um, Gwen, Miss Alexis, both of them and I all work very hard to make sure that nothing gets posted on there that is not suitable for young people. It's a very safe place. So let's go over there. And let me go through here and just kind of highlight some of the things I've seen. I'd love for you to go look at these. Dino uh, Lena, Dino Lena was six years old, drew an amazing picture of a devil dinosaur. Oh, that's cool. It's a big red looking T-Rex. It is cool looking. And here, Gracie Rex said she'd like to learn about Sarcosuchus. That's a very interesting animal. You know what, Gracie Rex? I will see if I can do one on Sarcosuchus because I love it. Uh, okay. Uh, on this page, uh, remember I, I told you the Zoom lessons for club members I record so that future club members or those that missed the lesson can go back and watch it. Well, we posted a link to one totally free. If you would like to go watch this lesson, this lesson is on predatory mammals, prehistoric mammals. You can click on there and go watch it completely and totally for free. Uh, let's see. Arthosaurus Rex wanted to share his cha-cha-cha raptor drawing. <laughs> hey, this is great, man. No, no. He's dressed up as a UPS driver and he showed up. Okay, for those of you that are new to this podcast... There is a raptor that lives somewhere in this building. Its name is Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor, and it is the most rotten animal because every time we try to sing happy birthday to somebody, this thing sneaks in this studio and attacks me. And he also ruins the song by saying Cha-Cha-Cha. So it's like I'm singing happy birthday, and it jumps in and yells Cha-Cha-Cha. One time he showed up as a UPS driver, and somebody made the mistake and let him in, and he attacked me. So this is a great drawing. He says, thanks, El Stinko. What did you just call me, kid? Arthosaurus Rex? You are in so much trouble, child. Don't tell me my name is El Stinko. Because no one, no one knows the identity of El Stinko. (laughs) I love this drawing. What have we got here? Let me see if I can turn this up a second. Let me unmute this. This is a, let me, let me start this over. Hang on a second. Hang on. What did I do? New club member of the Patreon club. Oh! Hi. Hi, Dinosaur George. I'm a 
Patreon club. Well, that is the coolest thing in the world. I am so glad, Jaden, you are a member of the Patreon Club. I love having you with us. I'm glad you listen on your car rides, and thank you for your video. That's great. Well, now you're on a podcast. So congratulations, my friend. Uh, here are some great recommendations from Aaron, who's six years old. Wants to know if I can do a podcast about Frutadens. Uh, what kind of dinosaur skull am I holding on the Facebook group page? Let me take a look up there and see. Let me go up. I got to look up here. Oh, that is a Deinonychus. That is a raptor called Deinonychus. Uh, that's who that is. Very, very good. Uh, what else? What else does Aaron say? Uh, Yank Chuanosaurus did not play the piano. Yeah, Yank Chuanosaurus did play the piano. Aaron, who's only six. Who knows more, Aaron? Me, an expert, or you, a stinking kid? Uh, maybe you're right, but I'll never admit I'm wrong. <laughs> How small were T-Rex's arms? Um, Aaron, ask mom or dad to hold their arm out to the side, and I'll bet you that's about the length of Tyrannosaurus's arm. Because Tyrannosaurus's arm is the same length as mine, and uh, uh, I'm pretty, I'm I'm pretty an average, I'm pretty average size man, so my arm is a pretty good. Uh, size comparison. Uh, Jack Source Rex uh, sent, what is it? Who wants me to do a podcast on like Pluridon? Dude, got to do it. I got to do it. That's great. And I love you standing. Is that a dire wolf you're standing in front of? Uh, kid, you might want to scream and run because that thing looks hungry. Good one, Jackasaurus. That's a good uh, suggestion, Jackasaurus Rex. And Dominus Dean posted an amazing, holy cow, look at this showdown. Whoa, who would win? Oh my gosh. And Dominus Dean, this is nuts. You've got every predator imaginable in this fight. Still going to give it to T-Rex, but man, what a melee this would be. Let's see. Oh, this, oh no, this is so cool. (laughs) This is so cool. Oh man, I absolutely love this picture. Um, this is okay. This is the coolest thing in the world. This is uh, this is from the Findlay family. Um, at two years old, I, I met him. Oh, that's so cool. At two years old, I met him. And then eight years later, I came to his school and saw him again. That is the coolest thing in the world. Oh, that's crazy. Now he's eight. So six years. I saw you first when you were two, and now I've seen you giving it. That is the coolest thing in the world. I am so, so glad you did that. That is too cool. Okay, let's take a listen to this. Here's another video somebody sent. Let's hear what we got. Hi, Dinosaur George. I'm Annie, and I'm nine years old and from New Zealand. I listen to your podcast every night and day, and sometimes when I go to school. Here's a drawing of my T-Rex. I'm so excited to be part of your Facebook page. Thank you. Um, I've got a question for you. Um, were there prehistoric um, spiders? And if there were, how would you know? Because they don't have any bones. Thanks, Dinosaur George. Bye. What a brilliant video. Annie, thank you so much, honey. And by the way, New Zealand, you guys are quickly becoming the number one listeners to my podcast. Australia, New Zealand, you guys are all 
like at the top of the list every single month. So thank you so very much for being listeners. I love you guys. It's so kind of you. Okay. I love the fact that you're wearing a dinosaur. I love your drawing very, very much. And mom or dad or both, thank you for allowing Annie to listen to my podcast. I, I take great pride that you trust me and this podcast enough to let, and especially to let her listen when she's falling asleep. So thank you very much for doing that. I appreciate it. Now, your questions about prehistoric spiders. What a great point you made that how could they fossilize if they don't have bones? Well, here's what happens sometimes, Annie, sometimes. Sometimes insects can get trapped in tree sap, the gooey, sticky stuff that comes out of a tree when a limb gets broken. And sometimes tree sap can become amber. It becomes a solid. And in that amber, we can see insects from millions of years ago, and their bodies are perfectly preserved. They're they're perfectly preserved. And yes, we see spiders. We see spiders. We see ants. We see uncles. Wait, wait, what? I'm sorry. Different kind of ant. We see spiders. We see ants, dragonflies, mosquitoes, moths, termites centipedes millipedes scorpions we see all kinds in amber but there's other ways that insects can be fossilized and this one is a little different this one they can get buried in mud that is so fine grain so soft that it kind of makes a print of their body by more mud piling on top we split these layers of mud and we find insects in them now there's not anything left but sort of a squished print but we can see what kind of animal it is. So yes, Lanny, there were spiders back then dating way back. Spiders are very ancient animals, been around for a long time. And so, yes, they were. Thank you for the great video. That is so cool. Elliot would like to know if there were prehistoric fish. Yes, Elliot. Now this comes from the Morton family. Yes, indeed, my friend. There was a bunch. Miss Gwen, as a matter of fact, sent you a great link that lists some of them. Very, very interesting. There were all kinds of them. And of course, sharks are fish. And there was plenty of sharks, but there was all kinds. But you want to know what my favorite fish in the world is? Fish sticks. Yeah, I said that. Okay, so I like fish sticks. I like to eat them. So those are my favorite fish in the world. Great question, buddy. All right, what do we got? We got another video. Hang on a second. Let me... Hang on just a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Wait for it. I got to rewind it. Here we go. Let's go. I'm going to sing happy birthday to you with my Emerald Jiu-Jitsu dinosaur. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Cha-cha-cha. No! Cha-cha-cha, Raptor. Hi, Dinosaur George. I'm going to sing happy birthday. All right, that was the coolest song. That was the coolest song. And the fact that Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor attacked you. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That was the nicest thing. <laughs> oh, that's just great. That's absolutely great. That's great. Okay, let's see. Hi, DG. I'm Ruben from Torquay. Do you think that in deeper water, Spinosaurus could use their sail as a rudder? And you are 100% not El Stinko. Okay, my friend. That 
is an amazing comment. <laughs> Thank you. I am not El Stinko. Thank you, buddy. Okay. So uh, in deeper water, could Spinosaurus use their sail as a rudder? This is a very interesting concept. Um, the problem would be that a rudder is almost always beneath the animal. And, it, and a rudder can be moved so that the animal moves. But there isn't any muscles that I know of that seem like it could move the rudder, move the sail. So even if it was in deep water and if maybe its whole body was under the water, there's nothing that allows that rudder, that sail to be turned. Because a rudder is what steers a ship. It turns the ship. And so I think that it wouldn't do anything. It wouldn't probably. Now, it could stabilize it. And what that means is its body may want to roll upside down because its tummy, its lungs are filled with air and they want to float. And so like the fin on the back of a shark, they don't steer with the fin on their back, right? They steer with the fins on their side. Um, so, but that fin prevents them from rolling over when they're swimming really fast. It, it stabilizes them. That would be more likely that it would stabilize them. I think it might use its arms to kind of change its body direction or maybe its tail, but I don't know, but that's a brilliant question. Absolutely brilliant question. Okay. What have I got here? Hang on a second. What is this? This looks like another video and I'm having so much fun listening to everybody's videos. Let's take a look and listen to this. Honestly, <laughs> to put this spine back to together, if I can even do that. I don't know. These pieces are so smushed, honestly. <laughs> oh, this is neat. So what this is, is Hunter Raptor went to PaleoCon 2023 at the Western Science Center, and she got to talk to a paleontologist and watch the paleontologist excavate part of a mastodon. So that's what that video was. That's very, very nice. That's great. Uh, looks absolutely great. That's so cool. Uh, Wyatt wants to know who would win Godzilla versus the Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor. You know what? Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor would probably kill him. He's horrifying. He's the most evil little dinosaur on the planet. So <laughs> that's great. All right, Connosaurus Rex, a great picture of you guys roaming around looking at dinosaurs that were at the zoo. That is so cool. Uh, Amargosaurus Emerson thought of an idea for a lesson or a podcast. What about Tyrannosaurids and the difference between them, like T-Rex versus Tarbosaurus versus Anukasaurus, etc.? Very good. This is good. Have I done the Tyrannosaurus before? I did a Bellosaurus, Carcharodontosaurus, Spinosaurus. Have I done Allosaurus and Tyrannosaurus? I need to look and see. I need to look and see. That's actually really, really cool. Okay. So anyway, listen, love all the videos, all the pictures. You guys posted great pictures, such great artwork. I am so proud of all of you. I absolutely love it. I wish I had more time to read them all. Great videos. Um, uh, Henry Raptor sent me a really cool video. I love it, buddy. Um, also, by the way, I posted some pictures. Uh, uh, I went to Montana to dig up dinosaurs. So if you guys want to see some pictures of some of the dinosaur bones I dug up in Montana, uh, you can go there. And I think I posted 
I think I posted a couple of videos, I think, as well. So if you'd like to see what it's like to really dig up a dinosaur, go go down. It's quite a bit down the page, but go down and take a look. And uh, I'm just flipping through the pictures to see if I, if I posted those videos or not, because I had some really good videos, too. Yeah, so I did. This morning, we took the femur out. Okay, I'm not going to play that for everybody. But anyway, uh, I posted that back on August 17th. So for those of you that um, would like to, um, those of you that would like to watch those videos or see those pictures, go to it and you'll love it. All right, let me take a little break. And how am I going to take that break? Because of what's next. And what's next? Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right. One of the coolest benefits of being a T-Rex member is the fact that you get to submit a who would win. But keep in mind, we have, I think, over 600 members of the club and it's hard to get to everybody's. But I try my best. Let's go. Victoria, who's five years old, wants to know who would win. Cha-cha-cha raptor versus dinosaur George without his stink bombs. What? Okay, listen, let me explain my stink bombs. Let me explain this to you kids. And where the legend of El Stinko comes from. Because this needs to be addressed right here, right now. Victoria, you have to go to your room with no dessert. Because you put this on there. All right. (laughs) I'm kidding, Victoria. Okay. (laughs) Um, Somebody asked me what would happen if I got attacked by a dinosaur. And I said I could raise up my arms and my underarms smell so bad I have what's called stink bombs. And if I raise up my arm, a T-Rex would gag and run away screaming. So those are my stink bomb weapons. Well, some rotten kid then said, my name should be El Stinko. Okay, now let me tell you something. El Stinko is a different person than me. El Stinko is a superhero. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. But he's smarter than Batman, stronger than Superman, faster than the Flash, greener than the Hulk, and his hair is more lovely than Wonder Woman. No one knows the identity. I'm not El Stinko. And my stink bombs are the only weapons I can use. So, who would win? Well, who do you think would win if Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor attacked me? Nothing I have can win that thing. What a ripoff. All right. Melody V says, who would win? Ceratosaurus versus Dilophosaurus. Ooh. These two dinosaurs came in contact with each other. These two dinosaurs saw each other. I'm almost sure they did. Yeah, they did. They're both late Jurassic, mid-Jurassic. Ceratosaurus. Both of these dinosaurs are very archaic dinosaurs. They came from a long time ago. They both have four fingers. They're both similar. They both have kind of that... That, that, that curve on their upper jaw, um, they're, they, they're related to each other. These two probably did meet and probably did have some face-offs. 
But here's the thing. Dilophosaurus is what is called a gracile dinosaur, a very thin one, a very light one, not made for scrapping it with the big boys, not made for full-on fights, I don't think. Ceratosaurus is made for a fight. So Ceratosaurus would have power. Uh, They both have equal weaponry, but Ceratosaurus's teeth are bigger, so he scores there. Um, uh, Height advantage, Ceratosaurus. Length advantage, Ceratosaurus. The only advantage that Dilophosaurus have is it's probably faster, but that doesn't help in a fight because all you're going to be doing is running. So in my opinion, I think Ceratosaurus takes this one. That's a good one. All right. Roman Dominus Rex, age six, uh, who's going to be six in a few more days, wants to know, or no, turn six. This was from a long time ago. So happy birthday. I missed your birthday, Roman Dominus Rex. Wants to know who would win, Quetzalcoatlus versus Titanoboa. I like these interesting fights because these are very, very different animals. So Quetzalcoatlus is not helpless here. It's got a long, sharp beak that it probably could thrust with a lot of power. It would be like a spear. I think a direct hit to the skull would kill Titanoboa with one shot. I do. Now, the only thing Titanoboa can do is creep up on it slowly, maybe at night, when Quetzalcoatlus is asleep. Now, if Titanoboa opens its mouth and grabs Quetzal by the leg and then begins to wrap those coils around it, doesn't matter. Quetzal is out of the fight immediately. There's no way it could survive. Its skeleton is, it, Quetzalcoatlus is a pterosaur. Therefore, it's built like a kite. Therefore, it doesn't have any stability. It would be crushed. But if it gets one shot right between the eyes, Quetzal wins. Interesting fight. Teddy H5 wants to know who would win. Titanoboa versus T-Rex. Two Titanoboas. Interesting. Titanoboa is a gigantic constrictor, meaning it squeezes its prey to death. But Tyrannosaurus rex is simply too large. Now, if T-Rex was attempting to eat a Titanoboa, Titanoboa would throw those coils around it to try to fight. And maybe if it could get around its throat, then it could kill T-Rex. But it's unlikely that it would be able to get up that high before T-Rex could grab him in his jaws. And once T-Rex grabs him, he's going to shake that snake like a rag doll and and kill it. I would give that fight to Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay, Lincoln wants to know, Hatsigoopteryx versus Majungasaurus. Hatsigoopteryx is a giant pterosaur as big or bigger than Quetzalcoatlus versus a Majungasaurus. Majungasaurus is more of a mid-sized carnivore. Majungasaurus is going to have the advantage, even though Hatsikoopteryx has a powerful beak. Just Majungasaurus is just going to be too much for him. I think it'll just be too much for him. And he asked the second one, Therizinosaurus versus Giganotosaurus. Some people pronounce it Giganotosaurus, just so you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Therizinosaurus definitely has the weaponry to hold that animal at bay. Those are some pretty powerful weapons. But what I don't know is with what speed it could swing its claws. Could it swing fast enough that if it swings and misses, can it pull its arm back and swing again is the problem. Because if you swing those big claws and you miss, that's an opportunity for Giganotto to go in head first and grab him. And if that happens, it's just going to be over. Therizinosaurus, I think, could hold him at bay, but over a sustained attack, I do believe Giganotosaurus is going to win this one. All right. Raptor Trey says Sinornithosaurus versus Velociraptor. These are good ones. These are 
pretty equally. These are pretty equal animals. I do believe Velociraptor is bigger than Cynonithosaurus, I think. So the only thing I could give would be Velociraptor. But these are very similar dinosaurs. This is a really interesting one. Wow, they're both late Cretaceous dinosaurs. They both, I, I don't know, man. You know, some people suppose Cynonithosaurus was venomous. If that were true, fight goes to him. Uh, True Maddie, my good friend True Maddie, who's been a Patreon member for years. She wants to know two adult T-Rexes versus three juvenile T-Rexes. Wow. This is an interesting one. This is a very interesting one. Wow. Well, let's think about this. Now, the adults, if they're going to fight together, that means they've been living together. So they definitely have an advantage. They have an advantage in that they know what the other one will do during a fight, right? They know how to react. They know what to do. They, they, they do this all the time. This is what they do. With three juveniles, they've never had the opportunity to figure it out yet. But you know what they do have? They do have speed and they do have a lack of caution, meaning they may not quite understand the danger they're in. And that's a bad thing. But it can sometimes be a good thing when you attack. Have any of you ever watched videos of little tiny dogs chasing grizzly bears out of their yard or black bears out of their yard? A dog, a tiny little dog runs out barking like crazy and the bear who's 50 times bigger could crush that dog, but the bear turns and runs. That's because that little dog doesn't have the same caution. In its brain, you're trespassing and I'm the boss. Sometimes those behaviors can win the fight. If three young Rexes come rushing in, going crazy, the two adults could be caught off guard. They maybe didn't know what to do. Maybe they turn and run. Maybe the three pounce on the one behind. Then it's a three against one fight. You know what? I'm not just going to say the two adults win because there's other factors to keep in mind. This is a good one, Trumati. And finally, Maxwell wants to know Andrew Sarkis versus Entelodont versus Smilodon. Ah, and Maxwell has picked three prehistoric cool animals. These are cool. Andrew Sarkis is like a giant dog-like animal. Intelodon is like a giant pig-like animal. Smilodon is a giant cat. And they all have different weapons. Smilodon has the advantage of speed and agility. Andrew Sarkis has an advantage over gigantic teeth. Intelodonts have an advantage over their sheer power and brute strength. Wow, this is a tough one. This is a very, very tough one. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to give it to Andrew Sarkis simply because of its size, simply because of the jaw strength and because of those teeth. I'm going to give it to Andrew Sarkis. I may be speaking out of turn. Some of you may say, no, the giant pig would win, and some of you may say, Smilodon. For those of you that are part of the um, Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page, if you would like a project, here's what I would like to hear from you. I would like you to see if you can figure these animals out 
Andrew Sarkis and Teladont and Smilodon. You can do giant dog, giant pig, giant saber-toothed cat. If you can look them up and do some research, I would like for you to write me and tell me who you think would win in this particular fight. Because this is a very, very good one. This is a very good one. Very nice. All right, my friends. I hope that all of you have enjoyed today's uh, lesson uh, or podcast. I hope you are enjoying it. If you would like to uh, be part of our live Zoom meetings, then become a Patreon Club member. You can join for as little as $1 a, a month. You can become a Raptor member for $5 a month. Or you can become a T-Rex member for $10 a month. And I believe now you can pay for a whole year in advance and get a discount. So that's on there when you go. You can go to my page, Dinosaur George, on my Facebook page, Dino, I mean Facebook, my website, dinosaurgeorge.com. And halfway down on the homepage, you can see where it says join the Patreon Club, and it'll take you right to that page where you can do that, okay? School's back for almost everybody, I'm sure, unless you're homeschooled. If you're homeschooled, I'm very proud of you. I know a lot of incredible students who are homeschooled. Um, If you are in school, if you see that there's a new kid who doesn't know anybody, be the one that walks up and says hi. If you see somebody struggling with something, be a kind person and try to help them. Be a friend. Be kind. It's easier to be kind than it is to be rude. And you never know who you're talking to. When you're kind to people, you never have to worry about saying something that was mean. You never feel guilty because when you're kind, you don't have to deal with that. Tell your parents you love them. Tell your parents how much you enjoy um, listening to this podcast and say thank you for letting them do it. Parents, grandparents, guardians, thank you. I'm honored that you would allow your kids to listen. To everybody out there, be good, and I will talk to you all soon. See ya, see ya. Keep digging up those bones. Thank you for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.